Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. What's up? Welcome to Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and again with me are, from the comicbook.com staff, Mr. Matthew Aguilar. What's up, everybody? And, of course, Janelle Wheeler is with us. Hello! Very excited about today. And uh, we have another person coming, right? Are we are we getting him in here right now? Are we taking? Uh, him he's coming in uh, after the uh, comic break, so we can talk oh, some okay. wrestling. Okay, awesome. so we got wrestling today, so we have one of our wrestling experts connor casey coming on later because we got to talk about what is going down at wwe right now so all you wrestling fans be sure to stay tuned for that but we also got the usual beats we got to cover in our geekdom culture coverage which means we got to talk about marvel's eternals we got a little into it last week but we were all restrained like well because we couldn't talk any spoilers because none of you guys have been able to see the film but uh, today, Eternals is out in theaters, and so at the very end of this show, I move things around, so we put it at the very end, so only people who do not care immediately about spoilers or people who have get a chance to see the film, you guys can rock with us for the show, and then at the end, we're going to do Eternals spoilers discussions, because we got a lot more to get into that we couldn't say last week, but this week, you know, the muzzles are off and we're going in, so at the end of the show, we will talk about Eternal spoilers. Before that, there's a lot that happened this week that we got to break down. We got to talk about some big new trailers that came out uh, for the Morbius movie, the new Star Wars series, Book of Boba Fett. We have some reviews to go about things that are going to be hitting Netflix that you guys should see. So we're going to talk about those. We got some fun new comics to talk about this week. And like I said, wrestling as well. I love these shows because this is kind of what really shows what comicbook.com is all about. We're eclectic. You can't peg us down into <laughs> one thing. We're all over the place. So we're going to be talking... Some Marvel, some movies, some comics, some wrestling. So let's get to it. All right. So did you guys remember that Morbius is happening? Like, you know, it got lost in the pandemic here, but uh, Morbius <laughs> is a movie. It's the kind of the expansion of Sony's uh, Sony Spider-Man universe. And uh, Jared Leto stars as Michael Morbius. And we finally got this kind of full trailer for Morbius, which is going to be hitting, uh, you know, early. What is it? Early next year. Yeah where it got moved i can't remember where movies are anymore mm-hmm. um but this trailer was uh you know i wasn't very like you know overjoyed about the first morbius it was just kind of like yeah that's a movie jared leto's in it 
But uh, I liked the second trailer. It gave me more of the flavor and tone. It also let me know what Leto is going to be doing to be Leto in this movie. And so, you know, he can't just be Michael Morbius. He's got to get on two, like, crutches and, you know, be dragging himself. You know, he's always going for that Oscar, but that's okay. It seems that they found a good him. balance. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like him. Uh, I like him. Uh, but it seems like they got a good balance. I like him. Yeah. Leto gonna Leto. <laughs> I mean, Leto's the only man who could come out of the wilderness and be like, wait, there's a pandemic? You know, which is a true story of what happened last year. You know, that man was out in the desert meditating for like a week and came back when COVID hit and was like, huh? But uh, anyway, that's Leto's world. But anyway, so uh, it looks like they've put him to good use in this. And so the kind of makeup effects and the power effects for Morbius looked a lot cooler in this kind of more finished trailer and squee to all the fans out there. We got these first kind of big confirmations of Sony expanding the universe with Venom references that kind of show this takes place after let there be carnage when Venom has been outed to the kind of the world. And uh, there's even a, we are Venom joke in Morbius. So Sony is really not holding back with these connections, but that was my takeaway. It was better than I thought I would like Morbius. Uh, what did you guys think? Leto fan. Let's start with you. <gasps> Yay! Oh my gosh. Um, I feel like Phil in the chat said it perfectly. The trailer got me hyped and there wasn't at all before. I feel very much on this same vein. Like even Leto couldn't get me like super pumped about it because I don't know a lot about this comic, this character. Uh, obviously I know no backstory whatsoever. And I feel like in this trailer, they painted a picture for me. I know his story just by the trailer. And that is a successful trailer to me because it tells me why, like what happened, how he was before. And, you know, it has me intrigued on what's going to like, how that story is going to play out. I thought it was a fabulous trailer. Yeah. Uh, I was, I'm kind of in Kofi's camp of like, I forgot this movie was happening. <laughs> so, then, so then when the, when they were like started teasing it again, I was like, Oh my God, like this might actually be a thing. And uh, the trailer was better than I expected, but uh, I had very like low <laughs> expectations. I'm not a big, like Morbius person anyway. Like if that character has never really like done anything for me. Um, so I'm kind of going in with a very clean slate. Like I don't have a lot of like expectations of what this needs to be or like the comic personification of Morbius. Like I don't have that. So I just want to be entertained. And this looks interesting. You know, Sony's you're a 90s kid enough to stump for Dark Hawk and Cardiac, but you're not Morbius. I hate him. I'm like this character, this Morbius is in it. I, I don't dislike Morbius. Like, but like there are other characters, especially in the Spider-Man universe, like the Spider-Man universe alone is so full of crazy D-list, F-list characters. I mean, I care more about Solo than I care about Morbius. Well, Morbius is always, I mean, to be fair, Morbius has been like Marvel's weird, he's one of Marvel's weird, like middle children. Like they, they don't quite ever feel like they know what to do with him per se, but like, he's always been cool. I mean, I'm a vampire person, so that's like, you know, that's my kick right there. I love vampire stuff, so... I've always liked him and I liked his kind of thing. And and he weirdly aligns with Venom very well. So I could see this working in a film universe as like a team of people trying not to kill people as they save the world, like would actually be <laughs> kind of yeah. a fun little premise for this. But uh, yeah, they uh, Chloe over on Facebook. Hey, I'm sorry, Chloe over on Facebook. We are talking about the new Morbius trailer starring Jared Leto. So nobody feels left out in this podcast. Uh, so that's Chloe over on Facebook. We are talking about Morbius, the new trailer. Morbius. Out. 
which you can check out on comicbook.com yeah. backslash Marvel. All right. So Jim is in here and he says Morbius looks great. What a great design. Yeah, I totally agree. Jim had me write a story today that said a beloved Christmas movie is coming to Disney Plus. And then Wait, which I one? Found it. Is it the Nintendo the one? Is it the Nintendo? Jingle all the way. Jingle so, all the way. Oh, so I was using this as a point to maybe point out Jim's hyperbole, but apparently Matt's totally in line with that opinion. So Jim was totally in line with that headline. One of Sinbad's finest films. Moving right along. Oh my God. Let's talk about the book of Boba Fett. All right. So Star Wars universe is expanding from the Mandalorian with the book of Boba Fett, which is this quote unquote event series that uh, we that's going to start tomorrow. Morrison and uh, Ming-Na Wen as Fennec Shan. And they're and it's basically going to be about Boba Fett stepping into the aftermath of, you know, the Empire's fall and Return of the Jedi and trying to take over Jabba the Hutt's criminal empire. And basically we're getting something like Peaky Blind. People have said like Peaky Blinders or The Godfather in space. I'm with that. I'm here for it. And yeah. We'll get into it in a little bit, but um, this is also a great, I think, going to be an exciting extension of Star Wars comics, and we'll geek out on that in a second. But uh, what'd you guys think? Book of Boba Fett, Matt. What did you What did you think about this? I was hyped. <laughs> All right, and Matt's not. And for reference, Matt's not even like the biggest Star Wars guy in no. the world. No, uh, Man- Mandalorian has consistently, like, just I, I, I'm really not like I I enjoy Star Wars, um, but Mandalorian has really kind of kickstarted that that love of the franchise in a lot of ways and even like from Kofi talking about all the ties to rebels and things like that has had me diving into those shows and like and then the comics so like it's really kind of a star wars renaissance for me over the like the last couple years um but this man like i am just so also it doesn't hurt that like you know the ties to the, like the original like it's just so cool to see boba <laughs> on that throne uh sitting like in those places that you know from the movies there is that and i just love these characters man coming out of mandalorian you know season two i did not think like oh i would be jonesing for a boba fett series but here we are yeah so jay what'd you think yeah i'm really excited about this surprisingly i just i Again, I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan, but I'm surprised. It's just the world building. Like, they just, it looks beautiful. And I'm so interested in this world. And I'm just really, I'm really excited about this. I I really feel like I'm going to be Paula today because I'm loving everything that's coming out right now. I'm just happy as can be to see content. (laughs) I really am. J.D. Smith artist, you are speaking blasphemy, sir. He is just going in about Boba being an empty thing. Um, we can take that on. Uh, yes, Boba Fett was for a lot of years the ultimate, and I mean, he set the tone for what franchises did with characters that barely have any presence that to become merchandising cash cows. Captain Phasma. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Boom. So, <laughs> oh wow. Well, I mean, uh, seriously. I mean, you're was... not, you are not wrong. The truth is what hurts in my heart right now. But um, yeah. So that's another great example. So Star Wars has mastered this. But uh, to be fair, in recent years they have expanded a lot of on who Boba Fett is. Uh, like Matt alluded to, if you watch things like the animated series, Clone Wars and Rebels, like his whole childhood after, you know, Attack of the Clones and him be learning to be a master kind of criminal and smuggler and all that was kind of interesting. Then his comeback in The Mandalorian, we still need to know how he got out of the Sarlacc pit and what happened and all that, but I'm sure we're going to get flashbacks of that in this series. 
has been interesting and just the kind of expanding because people now care so much more about Mandalore, Mandalorians, that armor and all that stuff. Jango Fett and Boba's, yeah, Jango and Boba Fett's story and their history has all been kind of punched up to kind of fit in line with that. And so all that's interesting. Um, I'm just here to see a crime story in Star Wars, which is like what I've been waiting forever to see, which is a Star Wars, like a dirty, gritty Star Wars underworld series. And this seems like this is finally going to be it. Now, I will murk out and say, if you've been reading Star Wars comics, which, again, we push for on this show, we are called Comic Book Nation, but we <laughs> keep saying, like, you really should dive into these comics because they are great. Uh, I think we, we've stumped harder than him, almost anybody for these uh, War of the Bounty Hunters crossover, which was centered around Boba Fett and what happened when he tried to get Han Solo's body to Jabba in the first place. But there's evidence in this series trailer that we could get a tie-in to these comics and that Crimson Dawn could be involved. They came back in the comics. Those the uh, organization from Solo and Kira, you know, Amelia Clark's character from Solo is now a major character in Star Wars comics again. And she has a grudge with Boba Fett over this whole Han Solo thing. So there's seemingly room. We know that Crimson Dawn is being kind of positioned to retcon that they made a play for things after the Empire fall and, and kind of were in position to help that happen and even in position to help Leia and them get Han back from Jabba. And so there could be a way that they are trying to fill the void and, you know, Boba's competition for Jabba's throne is with Crimson Dawn, which ties it back to Solo. So there's a lot of things that could be very surprising and exciting about this series. That's all to say. So, again, if you have not been doing your research on like the Boba Fett and you just still know him from the original trilogy, it's worth looking into before the series get here, gets here because they've actually made a character out of this guy and Star yeah. Wars is better for it. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think yeah, it does well said. I mean, you're resident expert, and it like it just builds the hype even more. Yeah. So I mean, even Jim Viscardi is on board with this, and we are in rare agreement, you know. So that is <laughs> that is yeah. that. So those are those trailers. I think uh, we're all, we're both we're hyped for both of these things. One maybe more mildly than the other, but still hype. Number. I mean, I'm more hype for Morbius personally. Like, we, but we know your reasons, and they are yeah. not holy. <laughs> Let's, let's not get it twisted. Also, <laughs> I'm more excited about that. But, yeah. we but both know are good. Reasons and they are not <laughs> wholesome. So anyway, but you know, then you get to Ming Nan. I can't say anything. So we'll keep moving. <laughs> All right. Just some quick notices on our what to watch segment where we try to kind of let you guys know what there is out there to watch if you haven't been up on it yet. And maybe it's interactive. So if you guys ever want to give us stuff that you want to put up that you feel we're not talking about, but should be watching and sharing with others, please. You know, follow us at Comic Book Nation on Twitter and drop your suggestions to us because we want to hear them. This show is for you guys. All right, I'm up first with Netflix's new movie of the week, which is The Harder They Fall. And I wish I had done some kind of more like preparation research for this. Oh, man. But uh, The Harder They Fall, there we go, IMDb, thank you, is a <laughs> movie that I've just been running around kind of championing as a black cowboy movie, which is basically what it is. It's by James Samuel, who has a, who is a very kind of upcoming thing filmmaker who's showing this unique kind of stylistic way of making movies, genre movies. And uh, that's on full display in The Harder They Fall, which is very much kind of very stylistic funk music influence, great soundtrack. That soundtrack. Yeah. Oh, oh man. I got, yeah, I copped that right after I saw the movie. I was like, oop, Apple Music, boom. So yeah, great soundtrack. And just a, like just all-star ensemble of actors, Jonathan Majors, 
who who was joined, you know, from Loki and uh, Lovecraft Country, Zazie Beats from Atlanta and Deadpool 2. You know, RJ Seiler, who's Power Rangers, Eddie Gaffey, you know. He's poor. so good in this too. Yeah, uh, RJ Seiler. Yeah. Yeah, he's a scene stealer in this. RJ, you know, Eddie Gaffey, who was uh, Darwin in uh, X-Men First Class. Whole bunch of people are in this. Damon Wayans Jr. Uh, and of course, you know, the 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 lead, of course, Idris Elba and my girl, Regina King, who like I, I tweeted. So yeah, because there's like, I've never met a person who lives up their name more so than Regina King. Like she just rules anything she's in. So uh, Regina King from Watchmen, of course. So you were not wrong. Um, This is just a classic Western kind of revenge thriller with a showdown between two gangs. Nothing too complicated, really kind of simple genre stuff. But like I said, the ensemble is really good. The dialogue, the banter, and just the the style of this and the scenes and the way it's filmed. Samuel's, do, you know, Samuel does this is it's really great. Um, really good kind of feature. And even a little twist at the end that I didn't see coming, which was really good. So, yeah. Oh my God. Okay. That scene, not going to get into the context or anything, but that scene is amazing. <laughs> There's so yeah. much great acting in that scene. That is man. What a, yeah. what a fantastic movie. Yeah, James Samuel has, I think, I mean, he's a guy who's clearly watched a lot of like Guy Ritchie and Tarantino movies. And mm -hmm. this feels like a kind of marriage of those because it has that kind of weird kinetic stuff that Guy Rit like Ritchie does. But it also is very much has these kind of very extended scenes that are very much talking scenes, like the opening scene, which is very kind of very Quentin Tarantino from like one character's point of view. And it's just dialogue and you never see that character and everything. But uh, yeah, really enjoyed this. So The Heart of They Fall is on Netflix. If you're looking for something this weekend and you are a fan of Westerns like or Idris Elba, Jonathan Majors, Regina King or any of these awesome actors, like check it out because you won't be sorry. Matt, you got something special for the people to share. Let's share it. What was the. Well, OK, so uh, <laughs> what Red Notice. That? That's what you're singing? It is another to you. Um, what? What? I didn't sing. There was nothing to sing. I was going to sing something. There's no like real intro for that. So anyway. <laughs> Darn uh, it. We need more Matt Netflix singing. thing, though. Uh, keeping with the Netflix thing is Red Notice, uh, which comes out next week. Uh, but reviews and, and embargo impressions uh, are going live, and you can find more of that stuff on comicbook.com. Uh, we've we've talked about this like trailer, it's just being kind of this super fun thrill ride type thing. I think Kofi coined it the movie, the movie. I think <laughs> at some point it was kind of like. Uh, all this stuff that you kind of come to expect from stuff with The Rock, Ryan Reynolds, and, and Gal Gadot in all in one movie. Uh, and it pretty much is that. And I enjoyed the snot out of it. I really, like, had a blast with this. I mean, it's very, like, if you liked Hobbs and Shaw, you'll there are similar vibes, right? Ryan Reynolds and, and The Rock have great chemistry together. The so basically, those scenes from Hobbs and Shaw with Ryan Reynolds and The Rock. Well, here's the thing. Ironically, so like Hobson Shaw, because it's, Hobbs and Shaw, because it's Statham, you know, who's like more of a, to me anyway, it's kind of more of like the action hit a little different. So like I actually preferred the action scenes in Hobson Shaw to Red Notice, but I actually prefer the scenes just between Reynolds and Rock where they're just like dialogue and back and forth. I actually enjoy those more than I did those scenes in Hobbs and Shaw. Like their chemistry just in being in a scene together is fantastic. I wasn't like as impressed with like the big action set pieces as I was in Hobbs and Shaw 
and I just think I've come like that's I think that's more to do with like Statham's really good at those movies and makes like almost any scene that he's in in those movies pop even more than it does on paper. And in this one, it they're fine. I enjoyed them. Uh, gals, I I love seeing her in like a a villain role. It's fun. She has fun with it. She's clearly having fun with it. Um, so you know, it's not look. It's not going to win Oscars. It's it's not that type of movie. Uh, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I thought it like hit that sweet popcorn blockbuster feel note that I was kind of looking so it's, for. It's a Netflix movie. Uh, J.D. Smith already says, so it's rock is rock and Ron Reynolds shows up as rap. I mean, here's the thing. People, because I, I, I totally agree. Yes, but that's what they are in every movie. I mean, that, yeah. aside from Will Smith's, like, you know, when he goes for like, when he goes for an Oscar, you know what I mean? When he goes for like an award season type of thing, Will Smith's pretty much Will Smith in every movie. I mean, you could say that about most, Channing Tatum is almost Channing Tatum in almost every movie, except for the ones that like, you can clearly see he's pushing himself to a different thing. That's the same with Brian Reynolds. I mean, is he not Ryan Reynolds in Free Guy? We love Free Guy. He's Ryan Reynolds in Free Guy. True. <laughs> um, so, True. you know, it's the same type True. of thing, but I'm okay with it. All right. So that's Red Notice. And when does that come out? That's next week, right? That's uh, next November week, yeah. 12th. Yes. All right. So we have The Harder They Fall on Netflix this week, Red Notice this week. Or you can watch some excellent stuff on Paramount Plus where we stream, which is also awesome. So. You can watch us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that was the bigger selling point. You can watch Matt be Matt, Kofi be Kofi, and Janelle. Well, I mean, you're nobody else, but Janelle. <laughs> no, you're, I, was, I was trying to think of a comparison, but you're only, I mean, Janelle's like, you're too many people in one. So Janelle, whatever phase of Janelle we're in this, this week. <laughs> will she break dance? Will she sing? It's or will she true. make a cake? Will she make, I was going to say, will yeah, she make a cake? We don't know. Cosplay. Yeah, there you go. Boom. Jack of all trades. <laughs> oh, by the all way, right. a Gamora cosplay. Oh, yeah. We got to shout you. that out. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. man. Gamora, yeah. Star Lord, and my dog is Yondu. Let's Man, go. Yeah, you guys. The family yeah. pick, so good. Yeah, you guys <laughs> did it. You guys did Guardians right. That was that was weird. So yeah, we got to shout that out. Janelle, you did uh, killer cosplay. Thanks. I got retweeted by James Gunn. Wow! There, it there is. you go. Boom. That's pretty cool. That's better than me just yelling at him all the time <laughs> to do things, which he never responds to. <laughs> He'll probably. All right, we'll take a break, and when I get myself together, we're gonna come back because we have to talk about comics. The crazy things that just happened in wrestling. And, of course, the main event. We are going full spoilers on Marvel's Eternals. We got a lot to talk about. Be sure to join us when we come back. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. We are back. 
for the second half of our show, we are going to be talking about comics, uh, the crazy things that are happening in wrestling right now, and end things with a full spoilers discussion of Marvel's Eternals. So up first, let's go with comics. Matt, we're going to do a little bit tighter this week, but uh, let's talk about they're all good books. So let's get into them. Yeah, I just want to uh, start this out by saying I it, it was hilarious in the comic book chat before when picking these books everybody got the book they really wanted to read this week and we had different choices but it was kind of like it was just fun as as a person who like assigns these to see like oh my god i'm reading that anyway so you might as well just like assign that. It's like yeah yeah right, that's that's awesome and the poll made the book i really wanted to read happen so let's start with death of dr strange avengers number one uh this is of course a tie-in to the ongoing death of dr strange series this picks up after the events of the second issue where we see that younger Dr. Strange come in and he has a certain amount of time to kind of figure out who killed him and all that. Uh, this is very much a, uh, very much a, I feel like it will end up being critical. So like it, it is a tie in and the loosest sense, at least as it seems right now, there's some like, I feel like anyway, story important things that happen here and some insight uh, into like a greater plan at work amidst uh, an Avengers story. Uh, so I I feel like th this is actually probably one you should read if you are following that story along. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, I I was I thought it it, it really surprised me because at first I wasn't feeling it and it kind of was a little slow build for me. And I was like, okay, I've kind of seen this stuff before. And then by the end, I was I I was hooked and it tells kind of a very personal story as it moves on and one that may have importance down the line so that i ended up really digging this issue after not starting so hot with it uh janelle what do you think i just want to say i love that the people in the comments are like is that juggernaut <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> yeah that's it that's why you should read it because it's really exciting and because of that i don't want to spoil anything uh so i'm just gonna say i feel that this this is going to be it's gonna have a really cool payoff and i'm intrigued by uh how it all kind of like fits in with the previous books, just like you said. And yeah, I thought it was great. I, even though there's no strange, <laughs> they're Bare, talking, he's barely in here. Yeah. They're talking about him and that is enough for me. Like, uh, and it's, I thought it, I, I really liked Iron Man in this one. Like a lot. Yeah. 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 That, well, and that's the biggest thing, right? Is that we actually get the, the few strange scenes we get are actually in the past. Um, yeah. For the most part. And it's again, it's a, if you were if people are Illuminati fans, you will want you will get a kick out of some of the things that happen in this issue as well. Um, and so, I, yeah, I really I really dug it from that. Kofi, what do you think? I was surprised that uh, about how big in scope this kind of makes Doctor the death of Doctor Strange feel. I didn't understand. I thought we were just kind of reading a, a, a like you know a limited series or something. But this event obviously has open the door to a lot of other things Marvel can play with. Um, this just the general premise that because Doctor Strange is gone, this magical barrier that's been protecting us this entire time is gone with him. And now all these mystical threats can start popping up. That was really good because it really expanded on how this affects the entire kind of Marvel universe, as opposed to just the magical Doctor Strange corners of it. Um, and I was really actually, it was funny to see a comic book deal with, the battles that have taken before that have or that have been happened before because the avengers got their tails kicked by these new villains the three sisters or their whatever they're called mothers the three mothers yeah and 
they and we were talking about how good it was in the second issue of death of dr strange these to have actual frightening mystical villains that are avengers level threats and seeing how they have like basically ptsd from like facing yeah. these villains is really interesting especially iron man uh because we said that was so creepy that one mother who was just made up of the statue covered in worms and stuff and it got in his armor and you know seeing him deal with that and hearing him kind of start to barrel over the edge towards his alcoholism and things like that it was it was a really kind of interesting thing that makes these villains their presence feel felt and so uh, as far as tie-ins goes this wasn't just like some random story connected to the other one this actually had stakes uh, i thought it got weird towards the end with like iron man and the other dimension and when you're i'm just hope they stick the landing with this child thing like because yeah. it feels like it get a little too you know wonky on the mysticism side but uh i hope they can balance it because the opening with iron man saying why he doesn't tr trust doctor strange and like all of that and his kind of anxiety that magic makes tony stark feel because of who he is is all real good stuff so yeah, I hope it doesn't yeah. get too far out there. I love those two. Golly. Yeah. I hate that we're not getting more of that in the MCU. In the, in the MCU. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and I think this is actually a, I think it's, I can't remember off the top of my head now, but I think it's a three issue series. Oh, the, nice. the mini, the Avengers one tie-in. So, um, and I agree. I think with, with Kofi, as far as like one of my favorite scenes is actually when Iron Man is walking um through some of like the worlds that dr strange has to monitor yes. he's like, he walks in he's like how does he deal how with this oh my god it would this? drive me nuts yeah. Uh, yeah yeah and the shower scene with all the armor like he keeps having it recleaned and he keeps yeah. having it reanalyzed yeah there's some good stuff there um also um, moving on oh uh, wait just for bun uh bun from the g bun from the g you can just start by jumping on the death of dr strange number one. Oh. Yeah, if you want yeah, to jump for into sure. This. Uh, yeah, two see. issues in, and then uh, right here. That's, yeah, that's there's only been three chapters of this, and yeah, well, two chapters and a tie-in, so it's still early. Um, and uh, oh, by the way, there is a uh, well, and and I'm very curious too to see how this goes into Devil's Reign, which is like the next one yeah. that comes. Mephisto that coming, y'all. There's a lot of stuff coming. Um, so let's move into something that uh was as disturbing as it was last time and it's different and the one kofi was so excited he was like i'm reading soul plumber number two like you can you can decide with you well, I'm, I'm reading that I was like, okay so uh soul plumber number two you know if you remember where we left off essentially this guy uh creates his own machine that can theoretically reach into people's souls and clean them and the issue ended with a heck of a of a cliffhanger and you're like okay did he do it and did he not and the answer is well kind of <laughs> <laughs> um and and in fact now he's done something pretty bad and uh he's brought something else into this world uh and then now you're getting all kinds of other stuff like there's that other like uh, without going into crazy crazy spoilers the ending kind of alludes to like okay now we have this faction that wants what he's brought in and there's a bunch of like there's a lot of stuff to, to hit in this issue mm -hmm. um it's it's also just there are some pages there's one page in particular in this book that i went why why does that page have to be there i don't understand it uh and it's just like sometimes like the creepy crawlies in me gets like ugh, like i don't always want to read stuff like this but i thought yeah. this was, this is really good again and it's just a weird series what do you guys think i mean 
I love this series. First of all, it's been a long time since we've had some Robert Crumb type stuff in, in comics. And if you don't know who that is, please look up Crumb and his work is so influential. But this gritty, dirty world that this comic is inhabiting was great. But I love that the first issue was just, okay, so the premise for anybody listening of Soul Plumber is there's this guy who's crazy, but he's like a religious fervor, crazy guy, but he's basically like a bum in like a, a nutcase, right? And so he goes to this seminar where people are selling these soul cleaning machines and it's a con artist thing, but he takes it and he really buys into it and he makes his machine and he tries to cure his homeless, crazy, you know, guy that he knows of being possessed, quote unquote. And the issue ended with him like ripping into this guy and taking out what he see- what he sees is a demonic, you know, entity. And we were left with, is this guy crazy or is any of this possibly <laughs> real? And now this issue handles that question so well. It just kind of like, for the whole time, you're like, this dude's just really nuts. Until like the end of issue two, where they're like, maybe not so much. Like somehow he has force gumped his way into like this situation where he's messing with the forces of nature and it's getting real big. And there's like other organizations out there. Like it's just good. And it's just the, the way this plays with like horror, comedy, and just satire of you know, the way that certain things like, you know, religious beliefs are used against people and, and against, you know, the poor, the downtrodden, the mentally unstable people in the world is it, it's interesting stuff. And if nothing else, this series gets a reaction out of you. So, uh, yeah, it's very visceral, I guess would be the word. I mean, you said it perfectly. You just literally <laughs> summed up everything. I guess I'll just add to this. It feels like did anybody wa- uh, read like highlights when you were a kid and you'd find yes. the hidden images section and you'd like go through and try to scribble and find all those hidden images. Like it's so detailed in, in some images that you're just like, Oh my gosh, is there like a hidden sock that I'm supposed to be finding? Or it just reminds me of like a hidden image book. It's just really cool uh, to look at. The art is just unique and really interesting. I like it a lot. The whole thing is just great. Also, I thought that it, it, I, I really thought he was just imagining the entity until the end. <laughs> I was like, oh no, this is actually <laughs> happening. Like, this yeah. is, it's not just him like hallucinating that he found a spirit. Like, this actually happened. Also, I just love the name Blorp. <laughs> Blorp, yeah. That's <laughs> just like, <laughs> wow. And I just love this character, like how just like seeing his past and all that stuff. And like, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's crazy. It's when you try to join is... the seminary, it's it's a world <laughs> and it like draws you in. And mm-hmm. it is definitely a world. So and it's yeah. definitely a vibe. Definitely right. one to pick up. Uh moving on to uh the book I was most to complete the trifecta. The one I was most looking forward to was uh Dark Knights of Steel number one, which is uh has everything I love, superheroes knights <laughs> medieval swords king Castles. arthur vibes uh, like i was i was in i was i was in from the minute and then you add in tom taylor and i'm sold uh so this was this is like another in kind of his you know reimaginings of the the dc universe that he does so well to, at least in my opinion he does incredibly well um and you know it's 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 funny because this book like right from probably i guess like the fourth page maybe kind of surprised me in we're so used to seeing and the premise of this by the way is that if superman's obviously as a kid he was put in the rocket and the rocket hit earth and then he was discovered by mom pa kent and and that's how he was raised and you know he's raised by humans and that's why he feels close yada yada so in here the beginning part of that is correct 
And what I what they described in the official synopsis was always like, okay, so he crash lands and then but he crash lands in like a different time and place, right? So this is gonna be kind of a King Arthur vibe and stuff like that. But the rocket opens and it's like, oh snap, like he wasn't alone in the rocket and his parents are there. So like <laughs> I was like, oh man, and she hasn't even had him yet. <laughs> she's still she's like about to have the baby and like so Jorel and Lara. Yes. Yes. So um like that alone, like in the first five pages, very much sets a different completely kind of changes like your assumptions about what this story how the story will play out because you just expect it you're so used to seeing that typical way that we've seen a lot of swords like the nail uh red sun all of those kind of start with that same premise oh he lands at a different place in time and what happens to him so like for this to kind of change that up is really interesting uh and then we just get a really really good interesting tom taylor ride through dc universe like having bruce wayne be the son of Jor-El but like he had an affair with like Martha before they because they were like why did you say that court. name and so like oh my now. god don't don't bring that up <laughs> I've had so many jokes so <laughs> many jokes uh like that is a big like that's really interesting and then it's always fun too to see like the re-envisionings of like the different characters right so uh like Black Canary makes an appearance here you see the Robins and how they're now done there's just a lot of fun stuff but the actual core story about like the inner court and the family I I really found interesting and and what they've done with Bruce Wayne so I was I was going I felt like I was going to be sold this was kind of a book made for me and then ultimately, that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> uh, what'd you guys think? Jay, why don't you go first? Oh gosh, uh, it was just it, just awesome. These books this week, they're just so good. Oh, I I loved this one. I actually, uh, you know, I didn't know what to expect whatsoever, and so this whole trip was just really exciting and refreshing and it gets you just pumped about these characters all over again in a whole new way and i love that and when they introduced bruce i was like what like i just couldn't i just i love that he has the cowl with the you know bat ears but it's like not a cowl i guess it's like armor and harley oh, quinn was great about yes that. that's harley scene. quinn oh my gosh oh it's just it's it's so refreshing i feel like that's a perfect word it's just a super refreshing book yeah also yeah. alfred with the killer line alfred yeah with he's... the killer uh that that glare he gives yeah that's just what he does when he's when lost he's in our lost. yeah <laughs> it's like yes there's just bad. so many good moments honestly and each character has their own moment like in it mm -hmm. so that's really nice to see yeah. yeah, it was very much like, a, I, I didn't know how to expect because I mean, it was very Elseworldies traditional, but uh, those can be hit or miss with these kind of premises. For sure. But um, yeah, this one was really good. I mean, it felt like an episode of Game of Thrones in the DC universe. And by Game of Thrones, I mean, it had all like the intrigue of the dialogue scenes and the political stuff and the, you know, all the stuff that medieval stuff is, you know, cool, the rules of heredity and all that kind of stuff going on in it. And you can see where this can go into a major kind of division and conflict and become Batman versus Superman eventually. Uh, and just the way the thing that can be like kind of hokey about Elseworlds is how they reposition people in the DC universe. But this all felt very natural and kind of logical and even cool, right? Like 
And then a lot, I think the artwork had a lot to do with that too, making it yeah. feel very kind of medieval painting-ish and, and very cool. But just seeing like Black Lightning as King Jefferson of this rival kingdom. Yes. And then in the history, and just all the things that are implied because there's a time jump between the opening scene of when the, you know, the house, the L, Jarrell and his wife land and have, and then 19 years later. But there's a lot of stuff that's implied that went down in that 19 years that we're going to have to find out about. And Batman just being scared of the lightning because obviously Jefferson Pierce is black lightning and him being a king means he can probably command these powers. That's probably why he's king. Um, and just seeing that, like uh, the green the man. Green, the yeah, green, the green uh, man. Uh, yeah. Um, just seeing small things that, that are corny but make sense and, and turned out to be funny. Like Harley Quinn as a court jester is, you know, what that's, that's what you would do in a medieval thing. But it works because she in her scene is hilarious when she's just ragging on the Bat Knight. You know, and the Robins being like a squad and just seeing all of them working together, Jason and you know, Jason Todd's and Cassie. Jason and, Todd's you know. whole scene is so good. Yeah. And it, it just, it, the hokey, it's the right kind of hokiness and it, and it feels fun. And, you know, they he's doing what Tom Taylor does, which is telling you this Elseworlds story that you most likely will want to see become its own kind of world and timeline. So... Kudos to DC because now they're going medieval too. They're going zombies. Now they're going medieval. There's nothing this guy can't do. Yeah, seriously, man. Just keep. I'm. I'm. Look. Keep handing him crazy. What? Like I love Elseworlds. I was an Elseworlds kid. Like I. I love those fun, just alternate things. So this stuff is just so good. I love it. Eat it up. Mm -hmm. That's comics. Yeah. All right. Let's get our wrestling expert in here, Mr. Connor Casey. Yay, technology. Look at that. Seamless on this show now. Seamless transition. All right, Matt, Connor. Some really hectic things started happening. We had to rearrange the show because some really hectic things started happening yesterday on the wrestling side of our geekdom. So, uh, Connor, why don't you take it away and tell us what is going down? Well, I'll tell you what's going down. 18 wrestlers were released from their contracts uh, on Thursday night, approximately one hour after WWE had its corporate conference call where they confirmed that the company has generated over a quarter of a billion dollars, that's billion with a B, in the last three months. So money-wise, they're doing pretty good. But what was the reason given for all of these releases? The same for the rest that we've had this year, 72 in total budget cuts. Somehow, this all has to do with budget cuts. At least that's the line we're being given. And Matt is giving me a look right now that says he doesn't believe that, nor should you watching at home. Um, the fact of the matter is, for some of these, even in this group, it was because they asked for their releases. Also in this group, some simply refused to get vaccinated. Uh, at least one person has been outed as to have not done that. New York Post is reporting that Nia Jax refused to get vaccinated, and so she got canned. Uh, I've heard some of the names of some of the other people that refused. We're hearing between four and five. The names I heard sadly did not surprise me, but we won't get. I won't specifically say who until that comes out elsewhere. Finally, the big question, and Matt, I, I saw the run sheet, and it was, why is all of this happening? Well, it's, it's for a couple of really big reasons. One is that it actually is financially driven, but not in the way that they're saying. Uh, this is the consequences of their own actions from what happened in 2018 and 2019. I will take you back a couple of years before the pandemic, a, a simpler time. Uh, you had AEW 
uh, just getting started up. You had New Japan and Ring of Honor selling out Madison Square Garden. So suddenly WWE has competition here stateside. On top of that, they're also pitching the idea of effectively snuffing out the independent scene by running it. Some of you may remember the presentation Triple H gave where he presented all of these different NXT branches in different parts of the world, different hotbeds of pro wrestling. This is why we got NXT UK. They pitched NXT Japan, NXT Brazil, NXT Mexico. I think there was one in Africa. I would have been curious what they were all going to look like, but the plans fell through for a couple of reasons. One, the pandemic. Two, New Japan and NXT Japan was a non-starter. They tried to just buy one of the big three companies over there. They said no, and good luck trying to start a promotion from scratch when you've got one that has multiple companies that have been around for generations. So you take all that. How WWE reacted to it at the time was, well, we need as big of a roster as possible, and we don't want anybody going to this competition that's suddenly popping up. So they lock in as many of their current wrestlers as possible to big, long-term, lucrative contracts. They also try and gobble up as many wrestlers from the indie scene as possible so that they can be shunted to either NXT or one of these other branches that they're trying to start up. But then COVID happens. And they get a new president named Nick Khan, who is very uh, bottom line driven. He is very financially focused. And depending on who you ask, maybe they're gearing up for some sort of sale and they want the books to look as good as possible. So that's part of why you get all of these releases, because suddenly you don't have all of these contracts to start paying for. The other thing, and Matt, you know this firsthand because you cover NXT 2.0 each week is that WWE is doubling down on what they believe their stars need to be. They need to be young. They need to be purebred, homegrown, dyed in the soil. I, I don't know if that's the right phrase. They needed to have come from the Performance Center. Dyed in the wool. That was the, that was the phrase I was looking for. Like they needed soil. to have come like from the Performance Center and nowhere else. And you will notice that some of the biggest stars that were cut this time around what did they all have in common? They had all made their names somewhere else. Yeah. And had come into the company with expectations as a result. And if you look at people that are being let go, people that are they're just allowing contracts to expire, your Adam Coles, your Daniel Bryans, it shows the trend that they're trying to get as much of anyone who has even the scent of independent wrestling on them out of there in favor of guys like Ron Breaker and Von Wagner and 20 other people that they've introduced in the last month. The Braun bon Breaker is going to be a star, though. A Braun Breaker will be a star, that's but he's a signer. He's, so that's that's he's yeah, he's, he's that's where that comes from. So I don't want to okay, but I don't want to get into the thing of discounting the, the talent that is there because, like, all, all these people, you know, what Tony I mean? D'Angelo. Man. I love Tony D'Angelo. That Lots dude of people Tony is D'Angelo. amazing. That dude is awesome. Don't you dare hate on Gabba the Ghoul. Gabba Ghoul. Oh, it's so good. Anyway. <laughs> What were we talking about? What was the topic? The topic. <laughs> you mentioned Tony I, D'Angelo. I Tony go on this five-minute rant, and you just flop. <laughs> wow, Jim, Car- Jim Viscardi's in the comments saying he is offended. About what? What did I say about him? About, about Tony D'Angelo, probably. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but anyway, those are those are the many, many reasons why this is all happening. It sucks. It's unfortunate. It's not as unfortunate as it was last year because when all those firings happened, nobody had anywhere to go because the pandemic had shut down every other promotion. 
All the only option you had was go to Daly's place down in Jacksonville where it was empty and try to sneak your way onto an AEW yeah. show on a one-off if you could. And that didn't happen to a lot of folks. Right. But Matt, so what is your reaction to what transpired yesterday? Um, honestly, a mix of every time this happens. I mean, it's always kind of the mix of two things. It's, it's like, it doesn't shock me anymore. Um, certain names do surprise me, you know, to, to hear them on there. But like, overall, like these things don't surprise me anymore. It's like, I, I don't understand them from a, from a talent perspective, but I understand, okay, well, WWE is very much leaning into it. Ironically, this follows a lot of the similar patterns we saw in WCW's time. Mm -hmm. It's very much. And if you look back at that, I mean, look, I've made frequent comparisons from AEW to WCW because they followed a similar blueprint. Tony Khan's a big fan of WCW. So like, you know, again, I'm not saying they make the same mistakes, but I'm just saying they follow a similar blueprint. Mm -hmm. Um, and in this case, you can see WWE reacting a lot like they did back then, which is, hey, we're going to lean into what we do, which is characters and whatever. And last time around, that didn't work. Right. <laughs> that didn't work. And we it got was the when they had to get out of their comfort zone. That right. They found that you have to push things. And in, and in some cases, you know, 2.0 is a great example of this. In some cases, the ones that are working on 2.0 are it's a mix. It's like it, because obviously the whole point is not every single wrestler, ev not every single formula is going to work the same for every single wrestler. And you mm. really need to approach them as individual people and, and accentuate what they do well. Tony D'Angelo is a perfect example. That character should not work. It's ridiculous. It's an over-the-top mobster dude, and it's clicking. It's it's clicking with fans and whatever. That's all you hear when like throughout the week right anytime he's on the bump that's all you hear it's going over a fence that does not mean that your poker theme is also going to work <laughs> or the the sean michaels music video oh my god that was I, I saw so like you know that. what yeah. i mean so it really needs to be an individual basis and what wwe is doing is very much reacting like they did back then i you know we're going to get into this in a minute but like this brings up a question of at least now after their non-competes go they mm. have somewhere to go. They have Impact. They have lots they have of places AEW, to go. They have New Japan. ECW, like, MLW, yeah, there are Impact. Options, you know, um, and we've seen a lot since they're not competitive. Gone, we've seen a lot of them actually do all of them. Like we've we see a lot more people like signing in true independent contractor deals where mm. they come in for a couple dates on Impact. Matt Cardona is a perfect example. Like goes does Impact, does GCW, does other shows. And they're not really calling one particular show a home base. NWA is another example. Like Mickey James is running things there for like, you know, Empower. But then she's also the champ over on Impact. We're seeing right. a lot more of that. So, you know, I don't, it, I'm not surprised. It's seeing some of the names on here did surprise me. You know, mm. Ember Moon, Keith Lee, Karrion uh, Cross, and Scarlet. Like there are some names where I'm like, the only reason they didn't click as well as they should have is because of things you did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's it. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's, it's frustrating. Right. And you know, the, the big frustration for fans comes from the fact that it's incredibly hard to get invested in a lot of these characters as is a lot of them just aren't presented. Well, a lot of them lose 
and they'll win one week, lose the next week. Yeah. It's always with a distraction finish, always with a roll up. And then we, we run a, the same match over and over six weeks in a row. And then we pray that they'll move on to something better. On top of that now, you have to pray, oh, God, I hope they don't just suddenly get fired, even though I've seen them on TV consistently for the past mm-hmm. month. It's kind of hard to get invested in people when yeah. that's always hanging over you now, no matter where you really, no matter where you are on the card or no matter how much of a promising prospect you can be. Everybody had Keith Lee circled as WrestleMania main eventer and the flashes that we had of it with him and Roman and him and Brock that Brock that showed that was Rumble a reality. Moment. Oh my God. The crowd popped for that moment. And you rock like, popped when he's like, Oh, big fella. Yeah. At they the can't, Rumble. You're can't like, mess it you up. Can't. And then they no. did. <laughs> it's like, Oh my God. So frustrating. No, oh. Jim, he didn't pin Brock. That was, that was the rumble, but it was a big old face off between the two. Um, and to get into your second point on the run sheet, Matt, uh, cause you might sometimes be a bit of an AEW hater. Uh, you immediately assumed that all of these people were going to get signed by AEW and that they were going to run the same problem. But I am right. going to kill your argument with Matt. But the question was not, I did not say they would. I said, okay. will they? Will That's they? The, the answer is will no. AEW... And I will answer your question with Matt. Okay. Because I I've added up every person that has gotten cut in 2020 and 2021. It's 121 active wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Would you like to know how many of them have actually signed with AEW full time? Fourteen, and I'm giving you Serena Deeb and Tony Nice. Deeb was a trainer who got brought back in. Yeah. Nice has signed. We don't know what level of contract it is. That's fourteen. So take 121 divided by fourteen. What do you get? Eight point six percent. Yeah. AEW has not even signed a tenth of the people that WWE has released. So the argument that AEW is just gobbling up all of these wrestlers that WWE is letting go is false. But will they sign they in will, this particular in this In this group, I think the same trend will follow. You get two, maybe three. And I you think those... sign Moon and Lee? No, I think, I think the two that you sign are Moon and Keith. Yeah. You sign Keith because he's a future world champion main eventer, could yeah, be the centerpiece of your company if you want. Ebra Moon could be a pillar of your women's division. She could also be champion. There's a ton of great matchups for her to have. And number three, maybe you bring in Mia Yim just because of her connection to Keith. Maybe you bring in Taya if she doesn't want to go immediately go back to Impact. That's it. Yeah, I feel like in I feel like in both Cross Cross and Scarlet and uh, Taya, I think they're I think they're Impact bound. Like that would probably make the most sense for them. Just honestly, just from like their character stuff and what they can do and things like that. Also because they were both they were all formally there. I think that would be a good fit for them. Um, you know, as, as far as like Keith and it doesn't matter where they go. Like they're going to be great regardless. Keith is such a surefire bet. He is the only, and I've said this before on this show, I've said it elsewhere. He is the only one in this generation that reminds me of John Cena in the way he moves in the ring, in the charisma and the connection he has with fans. He's the only one. Everyone makes the Roman comparison. Eh -eh. He wishes. Who makes the Roman comparison? I don't think he's people. Like well, people will compare Roman to Cena because he's the head guy of oh Roman's the generation oh, and the top guy. Yeah, but they're like nothing yeah. alike. They're well. nothing. Yeah. The the comparison stops there. 
Kofi, that's that is the bottom line with all of this. The the releases are unfortunate, but all of these people will find opportunities elsewhere for sure. Okay, thank you guys. That's wrestling. Crazy. Since I didn't on. watch this movie, I'm getting out of here. Bye, guys. Later, Connor. You can check out comicbook.com wrestling for all the updates and breakdowns on what's going on, who's been like go, and you know, speculation about what it could all mean. That leaves just one thing to talk about today. Our last segment will be our spoilers discussion of Marvel's Eternals. So we are going to be talking about Marvel's Eternals in full spoilers. If you have not seen the film, we waited to the end specifically so we could give you guys a, a chance to jump out. If you have not seen it, we are not going to spoil this for anybody. We are not trying to spoil a thing for anybody who hasn't seen it. This is your last chance. Spoiler alert! Marvel's Eternals going down right now. Okay, so last week, let's pick up this discussion because uh, we talked about this last week, but I want to just kind of now say in full what I've said. I think that one of the biggest, I think the biggest crime for this, I always say, you know, with when a movie goes wrong, there's either three things that went wrong. Either the writer dropped the ball, the director dropped the ball, or the cast dropped the ball or was miscast in some kind of way. I think the Eternals Ensemble does a great job. I don't think there's a problem there. I think Chloe Zhao is a great director. I don't think there's a problem here. But I think the problem with Eternals is that once again, Marvel Studios did what they did with Captain Marvel and wrote themselves into a corner that made for a not enjoyable film. Like the whole kind of way this movie, first of all, the characterizations of the Eternals is very uncertain and weird. Like, are they kind of robotic? Are they like robot people? Are they very feely people? It's kind of like uncertain, you know, how to kind of stage who these people are in terms of godlike beings who oversee all this stuff. So then, you know, the whole thing with their memories, again, every time Marvel Studios tries to mess with memories and thoughts and programming, it goes badly in these movies because you can't really get into the fun of these characters with these kind of weird programming stipulations in their head. That's what happened with Carol Danvers. And it's what happens in this movie, in my opinion, too. Like, and just trying to preserve the mystery of like trying to create an antagonist for this is, is really problematic because as it's revealed, you know, Icarus is the bad guy of this. He has, and it's not even a bad guy. This movie is so kind of like up there with its aloof ideas that it just can't settle on even a, a simple superhero formula and i know some people are going to tout that as oh well that's really great and it's really like a mind thing but it's like kind of doesn't come across to the viewer right like who's who amongst the viewers is championing for this celestial world to be born and earth to be wiped out so that more worlds can get made like who among earthlings actually gives a rat's behind about that like nobody's cheering for that i don't cheer for it but i big picture go okay like that is sad, but I understand what it is. Right. So if that happens tomorrow yeah. here, you're gonna be like, oh, no, we had a good I'm gonna run. be like, please don't kill me. But yeah, but exactly. Like, there we but go. Like I'm like sure. spiritual and like meditative and like so really, am like, I. I and, like, am enough to know that humanity would like no human being is programmed to be in like no. There's just it's right. a hard thing to hang your thematic hat on in the movie. Yeah. Um, and it makes the Eternals not necessarily look like good guys if they side with that opinion, right? So, like, the whole hero thing. But this is just kind of muddled in the reveals and how it comes out. Like, none of it feel felt, like, very gripping to me when it's revealed that this is the case. And 
Yeah, and and then the deviant. It's like, why are the deviants in this movie? Like, there's a whole thing with the deviants, and they're just kind of a bait and switch. And it's just like when we have a deviant that mutates throughout this movie, and I don't think they even say his name in the film. Like, I don't think he gets a name, even though it's a crow. Crow, yeah. Uh, and I don't think they ever say his name because he never says anything. He doesn't introduce himself. He's supposed to be like a mindless beast that's barely getting sentient every time he eats an Eternal or sucks their life force out. But no explanation of why this guy's different, like what the deal is here or any of that. There's no characterization of the Deviants. They're just CGI things that are running around this movie just to keep them, the Eternals, running to another point. Do you think they'll come back in some iteration with more importance? Or do I you wouldn't think care. Just kind of like, yeah, I mean, I think it... this dropped the ball. Like, who cares about the deviants after this? Like, yeah. I, I don't, I don't see. I mean, I do because of the comics. Like that, and that sucks because deviants like... are popular in the comics. Either Jim, Jim would be so happy right now if he was here to hear Janelle say that. <laughs> well, <laughs> just the fact that like Thanos is is deviant material is very interesting to me like i'm i want to know how or why or, but obviously like the ones in the movie like i don't understand how he could like it, i don't know how that would yeah we still don't anything. we watched two hours and 37 minutes of this most of it exposition and we still have no real concept of who the or what the eternals are like how this is tied to thanos and and you know star fox his brother you know Harry styles like none of that feels cohesive or relevant or like anything like it matters. This movie was just kind of a weird mishmash. Um, I don't want to get too serious, but I also have a real problem with the kind of the PR stunting about the inclusionary thing and the diverse cast in this and stuff. Cause there are some finer points. This is like diversity by Disney by, in my opinion, like this is the most diversity by Disney thing I think I've ever seen. And in that sense, it still manages to get some questionable things wrong. First of all, you know, the two actual biggest inclusionary characters in this who are Fastos and Makari are like the last two, are the last two, I'm pretty sure, Eternals introduced. And it's not like until like an hour and a half into the movie. You basically get a whole feature before we get to either of those characters, right? So like how much they're in the movie is questionable. Macari's the biggest thing I could see is just like, I feel like a Disney focus group was like sat down and was like, how many subtitles could people watch for a, you know, hearing impaired character before they begin to check out? Somebody did the math and was like, this many lines, and that's how many lines Macari gets in this movie. Um, because she is by far the most charismatic, enjoyable, eternal, in my opinion. And she gets the least amount to do in this movie. So how inclusionary that is, is questionable. I also have a problem, and this is more of a personal thing. While we're championing, like, you know, the things that Eternals does put out in its cast and the differences and the different races, the different, you know, sexual backgrounds of its characters, all that, there is this weird thing where this movie deals with this theme of, you know, the Eternals having to look at humanity over time and see how good or not they feel about humanity, which, again, as we said last week, it never chases that idea far enough. It doesn't chase any idea far enough. But all of the kind of things that represent the savageness of humanity are all like cultures of color. They're like Middle Eastern and South American cultures that are, you know, representative of the barbarism of humanity in these scenes, which, again, kind of a problem with that. Nothing about England and the Black Plague and maybe we should teach them not to throw the, you know, the poop, the trash in the streets and nearly wipe <laughs> themselves out or anything like that. 
It's just like, yeah, the Amazon, bro, they were wild. Savages, or the Vikings, you know, you know yeah, the Vikings, the Vikings pretty... anything. But like, that's, again, that's a questionable thing about like, okay, how, like, what are we doing here? Like, is this inclusionary? I still have some kind of problems with that Disney. Um, but we're not going to get too far down that rabbit hole because again, Eternals doesn't go far enough down that rabbit hole for me to care all that much. It just is kind of a muddled mix of ideas that never feel like fleshed out. I feel like I'm not allowed to like the movie no, now. No, go ahead. You can, you, nobody has to <laughs> agree with me. But I don't have like arguments because I feel like every point you're making is extremely valid. And I didn't recognize any of those points. I was drinking a beer and enjoying myself watching this film. And I, I just, I was just really into it, I guess, because of like, I, I really like the heady stuff. I really like the big picture spirituality stuff and the celestials and I, the Eternals being AI for me was like, Oh my God, that makes so much sense. It was just such a cool take on it. Like, because I'm into AI and I'm into, you know, space and timey wimey wibbly wobblies. And we already know all that. So I was just like, I was just like in it, I guess I was just feeling it and like living in it. And when I walked out, I will say this Kofi, when I walked out, I was like, I love this. And last week when we talked at spoiler free, I was like, I love this. But now that it's been this long, I'm kind of like, I really don't remember a lot of the stuff. Like it didn't stick with me the way that I thought it would. I still really enjoyed it. But again, you're making a lot of points that I just didn't even, they just went right over my head. Like I was just kind of enjoying the process. So now I'm kind of like, I don't know how I feel anymore. I'm confused. That's all good. Um, yeah, we gotta, <laughs> we're, we're approaching our time limit for the show. But um, let's talk about those post-credit scenes, first of all. Um, Harry Styles is going to be Star Fox, uh, you know, Thanos' brother, and Patton Oswald is Pip the Troll, which is, for me, the real story. Good for good for Patton Oswald for finally getting in the MCU. He has a great character as Pip the Troll. Uh, yeah, but uh, breaking news today, if you guys haven't checked out comicbook.com Marvel, I was ragging on Jim Viscardi about, you know, he, about uh, these post credit scenes because I didn't think they were, I mean, the Harry Styles thing is, big because it's harry styles right right but if you're just talking about yeah yeah he's been in dunkirk he's been in a couple things okay um (laughs) but if you're just talking about like star fox and pip the troll nobody knows who that is like nobody's gonna be excited about that but um it was it was harry styles so that was the fun part but the second the post-credit scenes was dane whitman and the university you know at the end of the movie circe and the eternals who decided to kill the eternal on earth you know they get taken for judgment um by what's his name the celestial and they're gonna get judged and all that and basically dane wants to save circe because and he's been you know putting off the family secret of that he has the ebony blade and he opens it in his university classroom and he's thinking about taking it but he's scared because of the curse and then we have a voice off screen that you know says are you really ready to take up that sword you know and he looks up and he's like what the and it cuts to black well chloe zhao let the cat out of the bag so this is a final big spoiler well, it's not even a spoiler because it's not in the movie. Um, that that voice in that scene is none other than Mahershala Ali's blade is in the final scene of Eternal. So that is who comes to see Dane Whitman as he's considering taking the ebony blade is uh, Blade himself. What? Uh, Mahershala Ali. Yes. So that's, that's awesome. That yeah. So this is that blade. makes it so much better. Yeah, and that's like, damn it, Jim. Like now I have to give Jim Viscardi credit for those 
post credit scenes being awesome because it's Blade's first MCU okay, debut. Okay, yeah. So, okay. Yeah, yes. and now Thank I'm just you. hyped. The most, <laughs> I think the thing that Eternals left me with the most is I'm hyped to see if Kit Harrington shows up in the Blade reboot and oh see gosh. what would happen if Blade and Black Knight and the Ebony Blade go out for some uh, some vampire havoc. So I'm here for that. So they got me with that. Yep. But for that alone, I'm happy I went to see Eternals just to see Blade's debut. But uh, other Here than it. that, yeah, this Marvel movie is going to end up at the bottom of my list. And honestly, I'm just going to, I agree with the people in the comments that said this should have been a Disney Plus series. It would have been an awesome Disney Plus series. If we could have dealt at every episode with a different Eternal in their Deep story dive, their and, uh, yeah. and everything they had been through Watchmen style, like this would have been awesome. Ooh, yeah. So, so far, I feel like we've had an Eternals movie that should have been a series and in human series that should not have existed. And after all this, Marvel just needs to bring on the damn mutants, in my opinion. So that's Yeah, it is time for bring mutants. Bring on the mutants. Even bring me. I'm mutants. even saying that. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, so that's it. I'm not going to hate on Eternals because, like I said, Chloe Zhao is a beautiful director. The, the ensemble cast is great. And I want to see these characters return because I think me after too. we got over this first stumble, like they're actually going to be much more fun in the MCU from here on out. So I'm looking forward to more of these characters being in the MCU. I don't necessarily need another Eternals movie. I could love to see them in some cosmic event film or, or some mixture that brings different characters together or something like that. But okay. uh, that's it for us in Eternals. Uh, Jay, you have any final thoughts you want to get out before we go? Oh, gosh. I'm just so, so, so excited about HBO Max's announcement of 8-Bit Christmas. It and that does it so for this great. episode. Uh, Janelle, Ooh. priceless, never change. Nintendo, never change. Nintendo. All right, so that'll do it. 8 bit, you heard it from Jay. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. <laughs> we love you guys. If you want to follow the show, follow us at Comic Book Nation Twitter account. We are on Apple, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and you can tell your smart home devices to fire up Comic Book Nation podcast. We're also streaming on Saturdays on Paramount Plus. So subscribe if you haven't and you're looking for that mountain of entertainment. We will be back next week. Have a great week. Also, there will be a special episode of our Phase Zero podcast dealing with all just pure Eternals talk. We are keeping this channel all Eternals, all, e all day on, on that, Twitch. man. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I was talking to Brandon Davis earlier. We gotta, we both got to do stuff, man. We're both busy guys. Yeah. But uh, that's what we got to save that crossover for something big. Um, <laughs> yeah, comicbook.com Twitch will be popping all day with Eternals discussion. So be sure to stay tuned here. All right, that'll do it. Thank you. We'll see you guys next week. This is Comic Book Nation. Peace.